welcome everybody today. We are so glad that you are joining us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the pastor here of Coastline Church. If you're new or visiting, uh, we're very uh, just glad that you chose to be with us today. And let me take a moment, welcome all of you joining us online, wherever you're watching, from your computer screen or your iPad or the app. Those of you in our cafe, those of you at all of our other services, we're so glad you're connected with us uh, today in this message. Before I jump into our message, I want to take a moment and say just a huge thank you to all of you that were here yesterday. I see so many of you that were here uh, all day yesterday serving, working, making this campus absolutely beautiful, getting us ready for Easter and just kind of revitalizing the whole place so that we can put our best foot forward. And from the bottom of our heart, we just want to say thank you, and we appreciate you so much for all of your hard work, all of your energy, everything you did to make us better and get us ready. And with that, Easter is coming up in just a couple weeks away, and I want to personally invite all of you to join the Dream Team. Easter is the one weekend a year. We ask every person who comes to our church on a regular basis, whether you're a member of our church or not, whether you've ever been through Growth Track or not, one week in a year we invite everybody to serve on the Dream Team because every Easter we have twice as many people attend services than we typically have on a regular weekend. And we want to be prepared to love them and care for them and make sure that they have the best experience possible. And the Bible is very clear. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. And so we want to be ready. We want to, we want to be ready to serve and make a difference. We have two Good Friday services this year for the first time. We'll have our Saturday service, six services on Sunday. And so there are going to be many different opportunities for you to be able to serve and be on the Dream Team and I always think about it like this, in light of what Jesus went through himself so that we could even celebrate the holiday of Easter, I think one of the greatest ways to honor him for what he did is to give some of our time and maybe even have to inconvenience our schedule a little bit to come and serve and make a difference in the lives of the people that he went to the cross and died for, so that they can experience what so many of us have already experienced. So I invite you to join our team uh, for one week in a year on Easter. You can stop by the table outside, talk to anyone on our team about how to get involved or, or go online. All of the information is there available for you. I want to invite you to pull your message notes out. We are in this series on the Bible. This is week number six. We've got one week left. Uh, today, what I want to do is turn the corner a little bit and make this very, very, very practical uh, as much as possible. I think for, for, the, for the last uh, five weeks, and if you've missed any of the messages, I cannot encourage you enough to go online and watch them, review them. They're very, very foundational. We are living in the most biblically illiterate generation in the history of Christianity. We don't know God's Word the way previous generations knew the Word of God. We have many people today they don't even know how to navigate the Bible all that well because we didn't grow up learning the, these skills. And so as a church, we want to kind of correct that and really make sure that we are people of the Word, that we are building our life on God's Word. And so today what I want to do is make it very, very practical. And really, uh, I think the goal of today, like if I was successful today, if I, if I could tell you this, this is what I'm trying to accomplish today more than giving you more information and letting you know more about the Bible, I want to give you a desire today where you want to read the Bible. Now, I want you to study the Bible. I want you to read the Bible. I want you to build your life on it. But more than me wanting you to do it, I want you to want it. 
Like, I want you to have that want inside of you where you want to build your life on God's word. Because here's what Jesus said. The theme text for the series out of Matthew 7, Jesus said, a wise person is somebody who takes their life and takes the word of God, the Bible, and you build your life on God's word. You, you take God's word and you, and you work it into every area of your life. You work it into your marriage. You work it into your business. You work it into your career. You work it, work it into every factor of your life. And Jesus says, if you do that, you are like a wise person who built your house on a firm foundation, on a rock. And he goes on to say that there are storms coming. You're going to go through tragedy in life. There's going to be challenges in life. You're going to have adversity in life. There's going to be storms. The question is, when those storms come, is your house going to be able to stand? Did you build your house on the right foundation? Now, as your pastor, I can't keep the storms out of your life. I can't keep tragedy and, and life-altering events from coming. But what I can do for you, if you'll let me, is I can teach you how to build your house on a rock, build your house on a foundation so that when tragedy comes, you can stand through any storm. And that's what this whole series is about. So I want to I help give you that desire. Now, if you don't have a Bible yet, uh, and I have no problem with us reading digitally, I read digitally, but I, I also believe every one of us here today needs our own paper Bible, not a family Bible, not like a Bible I share with my spouse, but my own paper Bible, a Bible that I can underline and I can take notes in and I can highlight and I can kind of write down what God is speaking to me. And if you don't have a Bible, we have plenty of Bibles available today that we would love to give you. We have, we have these Bibles, they're free of charge. You can stop by the Welcome Center outside. We would love to give you one. Those of you online, we'll mail you one if you email us. We would love to give you a Bible today. We also have study Bibles available in the cafe if you want to get you know, and the, really the difference, because people are like, well, is the study Bible different than, than the Bible? The difference between a study Bible and the Bible that we give away is this is just the Bible, nothing else, like just the Bible. In the study Bible, you have all of this, and then in the margins, you have commentary and study material that helps you understand a little bit more what you're actually reading. Now, the study material is not God's Word. That's man's word. That's man's commentary. The Bible is God's word. And so we don't, we don't build our life off of the commentary in a study Bible, but the study Bible is very helpful in helping us understand what God's word is saying to us. And so those are available for you. So today we're going to look at how does the Bible actually change us? Like if I build my life on God's word, if I take, take the word that is in this book and I work it into every area of my life, what does it do? How does it change how does it impact? How does it transform me? Because this book is like no other book. This is different than any other book on planet Earth. It's why we call it the Holy Bible. It's, it's not just the word Bible means book, and it's not just book, it's the book. And it's not just the book, it's the Holy Book, because it's set apart. It's different from every other book that has ever been written, because this book is full of power. I know this may be hard for you to comprehend at first, but this book is actually supernatural. This is not pages filled with ink, but it's living and it's breathing and it, and it changes us from the inside out. It's why we call it the word of God. Jesus put it like this in John chapter six. He says, the words that I have spoken, my word to you, it's full of the spirit and it's full of life. So it's not just any other word. It's full of spirit. It's full of life. So in, inside of the very word that he speaks to you is the power to bring that word to fulfillment, is what he's saying. 
This is actually what sets the Bible apart from self-help books. Self-help books are, are great, and oftentimes a self-help book will actually tell you the right thing to do. And it's filled with good things to do. The difference between the Bible and a self-help book is a self-help book doesn't give you the power to actually do it. It tells you what you should do. It just doesn't give you the ability to actually do what you should do. So a self-help book will tell you don't, don't live with anxiety because anxiety will kill your dreams and set goals and, and have a positive outlook. All good things. It just doesn't give you the ability to actually do it. Where the Bible is different is it doesn't just tell you good things to do. It actually gives you the power to do those things. That's what Jesus is saying here. Hebrews goes on to say the word of God is living. Living. That is the Greek word zoe. Now again, for those of you new to Christianity, our English Bible, the, the New Testament, was written in the original Greek language. We have a translation that is very accurate to the original, but sometimes I like to go to the Greek, and, and I get a little bit more meaning or nuance, and you don't have to be a Greek scholar to do this. There are great websites online that, that will help you look up any word in the Bible and see what the Greek word and definition and meaning is. And this is the word zoe, which is where we get the word zoo or zoology. The girl's name zoe. It just means life. The Bible is full of life. It's living. It's not a, a dead book from history, but it's actually living and it's active. That's the Greek word energos, where we get the English word energy. So it has the power to change you. It has the power to work because it's alive and it has the power to change things inside of you. It goes on to say it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's sharper than the most skilled surgeon's scalpel. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Word of the God has the ability to cut right to the heart of the issue in your life. It has the ability to point out what's wrong with our life. It has the ability to show us what needs to be corrected, what we need, how to correct it. And what I love about God's Word is it's not a skill saw, it's not a chain saw, it's a sharp scalpel. It can do the fine work in my life, in your life, that needs to be done. In fact, this is exactly what I need in my life, personally. And here's the truth, you need exactly what I need. We're not that much different in life, you and I. We all need the same thing. What is, what is that same thing we all need? Change. All of us want change in our life. Every single person here has areas of your life that you don't like that you wish you could change. You got things in your life that you don't want. You have things that you know need to be changed. And many of you have actually tried to change them, but they just haven't changed. But what the Bible teaches us is that God's word, which is written here, changes the things inside of you that you can't change on your own. Like I see it all the time as a pastor. People begin to get into the Bible, and all of a sudden, they, 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 they begin to change. People around them say, you're not the same. You're not who you used to be. You're handling things differently. There's something different. about Why? Because this book is living. It's got the power to change you. D.L. Moody, one of the great evangelists of the 1800s in America, I love what he said. He said, the Bible is not given to increase our knowledge. No, the Bible is given to change our lives. We're not supposed to study this book like a piece of art that we hang on the wall and we admire it from this angle and look how beautiful it looks from this angle. If you really want to know what the Bible is supposed to be in your life, it's a greasy old toolbox full of wrenches and screwdrivers that just get in there and fix the issues of your life. That's, 
That's really what the Bible is. It's a toolbox more than anything else. So we're not supposed to treat it like a piece of art where we just study and admire this beautiful piece of history, but it's supposed to get inside of us, to change us. And so what I want to do today is I want to to give you what I call the seven benefits to building your life on the Word, as Jesus says. When you work the Bible into your life, there are incredible benefits, and and there are many more than seven. I'm going to give you seven of them today. Seven things that begin to change in your life when you, as Jesus said, work this into every area of your life. The first thing in your notes is the Bible gives you new life, new life. And if you'll think about this for a moment, this is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. See, the goal of Christianity is not to make a better version of you. The goal of Christianity is to make a new you. Like we're not, it's not about self-improvement. This is about becoming brand new. God wants to make you new. That's why the spiritual process for this that Jesus used is the phrase born again. And it is absolutely that dramatic. I know that we've heard that phrase so often in our culture and in our life that born again doesn't really carry the same weight that it would have carried when Jesus... I mean, think about birth. Birth is one of the most traumatic experiences you can go through in life. Like, I've been a part of two of them, and I didn't even give birth, and it was traumatic for me. Just being in the room was traumatic. Like, it was traumatic for my sons when they were born. It was traumatic for my wife. It was traumatic for me. I mean, there's doctors. and I mean, it is a traumatic experience. And Jesus says that's what, that's what being spiritually, you know, coming back to life looks like is you are born again. It transforms you. You become a new person. You don't, you don't turn over a new leaf. You become completely new. You get a do-over. You start over. Jesus takes all of your past and all of your shame and every regret and every mistake and he wipes it all away and he makes you new. And one of the ways he does it is through the word. That's why James says he chooses to give us birth. That's the whole born again experience through the word of truth. So it's God's word. You see, it's, it's God's word that we even know about salvation. It's God's word that we even know about Jesus and what he did on our behalf. That's why Romans 10 says, how can somebody be saved if they never hear the word, if they don't hear the message, if they don't, if they don't know the story? How can they believe unless they hear? Paul goes on and he says to Timothy, the Holy Scriptures, it's another way to say the Holy Bible, which are able to make you wise for what? For salvation. So this book makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We wouldn't even know about Jesus dying on the cross if it wasn't for this book. We wouldn't know how to trust him. We wouldn't know how to be in relationship. We wouldn't even know how to get to know him if it wasn't for his word. So I leave you with the challenge that James gives us in his letter. James says, humbly accept the word. Accept this book that's planted in you as as like a seed that it's planted inside of you because it can save you. If you'll humbly accept the word, the message of this book, it will save you. Let me give you one of the other benefits of building your life on God's word. You can live guilt-free. This one is so big, so huge. One of the biggest problems I see right now in the world today, and even amongst so many Christians, is people are living their life with so much shame. 
and so much regret and so much guilt. They're just carrying around all of the mistakes of yesterday. They're stuck with memories from their past that they just can't let go of. They just can't seem to get over. Either people that have hurt you and now you're carrying around resentment or people that you've hurt so you're carrying around guilt. Did you know that God wants you to live your life guilt-free? Can you even imagine what that would feel like? Imagine, because guilt is debilitating. Guilt is like you're always looking over your shoulder, always feeling dirty, never feeling whole. The guilt that we, the Bible was given so that you could become guilt-free. That's one of the purposes of the Bible. It cleanses us. It takes all the dirt and all the shame and all the guilt and all the grit and the grime and all the mess of our life, and God's word cleanses us. Paul says in Ephesians, Christ loved the church, gave himself up for to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. So God takes the word and he renews our mind. He cleanses our mind. And you get to live your life when you believe the word and you accept the word. You live your life guilt-free. It's the point of Christianity. Jesus put it like this. He said to his disciples, you're already clean. You're already guilt-free because of the word. Just accept the word in your life that I have spoken to you. This was his mission. Like we all know the famous verse, John 3, 16. Look at the next two verses. Verse 17, God did not send his son into the world so that you would live with guilt. He did not send his son in the world so that you would feel guilty and that you would feel shame and that you would feel condemned and you would live your life carrying a bunch of regrets. No, he sent him to save the world. And whoever believes in him is not condemned. This is huge for your relationship with God. Because here's the problem with guilt. When you feel guilt, how do you feel about God? You feel like God's a million miles away. Like every time you make a mistake and you know you blew it and you knew you did something you shouldn't have done or you said something you shouldn't have said or you looked at something you shouldn't have looked at, like you feel like God is a million miles away. That's guilt. That's shame. That's regret. And God wants nothing more, the Bible wants nothing more than to give you a guilt-free life so you can feel close to God, so you can have a relationship with God that you were designed to have. That's why my favorite verse in the Bible, 2 Corinthians, God made him who had no sin. You realize Jesus never sinned. Jesus had nothing in his life he was ashamed of. Jesus had no regrets, never did anything that he regretted. He was perfect in every way, and yet God took all of my sin and all of your sin and all of our shame and all of our regrets, he took all of that and he put it on Jesus, gave all of our shame to Jesus so that in him, we, you and I, might become right with God. We might live our life guilt-free. Because when you live your life guilt-free, you feel right with God. When you have guilt, you don't feel right with God. You feel distant from God. But when you accept the fact that everything you've done wrong in your past and everything you will do wrong in your future, Jesus paid for it all so that you could live your life guilt-free. There's a righteousness in that. See, righteousness is not what you do. Righteousness is who you are because of what Jesus did. 
It's one of the greatest gifts of the Holy Spirit is he wants to convince you that you are righteous because every single time you blow it, every single time you make a mistake, you feel guilty, you feel dirty, you feel ashamed, and it, and it separates you from God. And so the Holy Spirit comes along and says, look, I know you just blew it, but you're right with God. God's not looking at what you just did. He's looking at what Jesus did. Jesus paid for that already. Jesus makes you righteous. What you did was paid for. It's covered. God can't hold that against you because it's already been paid for. And we live our life guilt-free. One of the next benefits of building your life in God's Word is it activates our faith. And this one is so critical to the Christian life. In fact, you can't do the Christian life without this one. It is impossible to pull off Christianity without faith. Christianity is not a religion that you can just kind of follow the rules. It takes faith. So the question is, how do we get faith? Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word. The word about Christ. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing the message about Christ. Now, let me give you one more Greek lesson today, because one of the things I like about the Greek language is it's much more descriptive than the English language. So we have in the English Bible, we got one word for the word word. But in the Greek language, there's actually two words for the word word. And, and this is the, one of the areas of the Bible that it actually is very, very helpful to know which Greek word it's actually using right here. So in the Greek language, you have the Greek word logos. Logos is the written word of God, the Bible. The Bible that we have on paper is logos. This is the written word of God. It's the message of God. Then there's another Greek word, rhema, which is the revealed word or personal word of God. That's when God speaks to you. So logos is when God speaks to us. Rhema is when God speaks to me, like personally. God says, this is what I'm going to do for you. So in 1017, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. This is the Greek word, rhema. So faith comes from the revealed word. Why? When God says, this is what I'm going to do in your life, you now have faith to believe that this is what's going to happen. This is why I say you will never, ever, ever pray a prayer of faith and it not happen. Never. You will not one time your entire life pray a prayer of faith and God not do what you pray. Now, I know the pushback that I'm feeling right now. And the pushback comes from so many of you are saying and thinking to yourself, no, 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 that's not true. There were plenty of times I had faith and God didn't come through. Like I had faith that God would do this and it didn't happen. I had faith that God would heal this person and they never got healed. Let me, let me help you with something. One of, the, one of the most dangerous things you can do with the Bible is try to interpret the Bible through personal experience. You see, there's personal experience, and personal experience says this, and then there's the truth of God's Word, and the truth of God's Word says this. What do you do when those are different? What do you believe? Do you believe personal experience, or do you believe the truth of God's Word? You've got to make a choice. See, the problem with personal experience is oftentimes we, we, we can't see it clearly. We really don't know what's happening. Now, here's why I say you'll never pray a prayer of faith and it not happen. When people say, I really had faith that God would do this and it didn't happen, they didn't have biblical faith. They had hope or belief. Like, they really hoped God would do it. They, they believed God could do it. So let me show you the difference. Logos, the written word of God, this gives you hope. This tells you what God has the ability to do. When I read this, I know what God can do. It tells me God can do this, and God can do that, and God can do that. So it gives me hope that God can do this situation, so I really hope he'll do it for me. 
The difference is faith is when God says, this is what I'm going to do for you personally. All of a sudden, my faith is activated through rhema. That's why I'll never pray a prayer of faith and it not happen because God will never be a liar. If God says, this is what I'm going to do for you, it's exactly what he's going to do. It activates my faith. So when I read Logos, all of a sudden God breathes rhema. It's like God touches the word and breathes it into my spirit, and it goes from Logos to rhema, activates my faith. Let me show you this in Scripture. I showed you this week one. But in the Christmas story, in Luke chapter 1, the angel comes to Mary, and the angel gives Mary a Logos. He gives her a message from God. He says, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to have a child. Well, at this moment in Mary's life, it's just Logos, so she doesn't get it. She doesn't understand. She's like, that's not possible. I can't get pregnant. I've never been with a man. I'm a virgin. Like, like this, can't, this can't take place. So the angel says, here's how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. What does the angel do? He reveals the logos to her. He reveals the message to her. And then the angel says, for no word, this is the Greek word rhema, no rhema, no revealed word from God. When God personally speaks to you, that will never fail. This is why I say you'll never pray a prayer of faith and it not happen. Because no revealed word from God is ever going to fail. And it's the revealed word that activates faith. You cannot have faith without rhema. Rhema is what activates faith. So no revealed word from God will ever fail. So she receives it. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your rhema, may this revealed word, what you're, what you're telling me, be fulfilled. And immediately she gets pregnant. Supernaturally. Because she, she, her, the, the rhema activated her faith to receive what God wanted to do. Now, why is this so important? Because you're going to face challenges in life where you're going to need more than hope. You're going to need more than, I know God can do this. I need to know God's going to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you're going to be in a situation where you're going to have a child, a son or a daughter, going through a health crisis, and you need a little bit more than, I know God has the ability to heal them. I need to know that God's going to heal them. Like you're going to be facing a marriage issue, a business issue, a financial issue, a health issue, where you're going to need faith in your life. See, that's the power of Logos. See, the more time I spend in Logos, the more I have the ability to receive rhema. Why? Logos is like a radio dial. There's a lot of frequencies out there. How do I turn into the right frequency? Logos. Rhema will never contradict Logos. If you want to know what rhema sounds like, it sounds like Logos. So the more time I spend in Logos, the more I hear rhema. God, all, he'll, he'll take verses, and, and all of a sudden, he'll breathe it into me and say, this is for you. I know it was written thousands of years ago, and it applied to somebody else, but I'm going to do this for you personally. And all of a sudden, a piece of Logos becomes rhema, and you can begin to pray that, and it activates your faith, and you begin to see God move on your behalf. That's why we build our life on the Word. We, we live in Logos so that we can receive rhema. The fourth benefit is spiritual growth. God begins to mature you. He begins to develop you. He begins to grow you. Let me, let me say this as nice as I possibly can. For some of us, it's time, like it's been years now, it's time to get off the spiritual bottle. It's time to start eating steak. Like you've been on the bottle long enough. Like, you, like we've, been, we've been bottle feeding you long. It's time to start eating steak. Like if you've got a five-year-old still on formula, still taking the bottle, most people would tell you that's a problem. And like, unless there's some medical issue, that's a problem. They need to start eating meat. They need to start, you know, we as believers need to get off the bottle and start eating the meat of God. We need to grow. Paul says this to the city of Ephesus. He says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. So I'm going to commit you to God and to his word. Why? 
because the word will build you up. This word will build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. This word will build you up and give you an inheritance. Do you know what inheritance is? An inheritance is what is rightfully yours because you belong to a family. Imagine if you were Bill Gates, like long lost son or daughter, and, and you were kind of estranged from them because you kind of took off and did your own thing and really wanted nothing to do with them. And, and then he passes away and you're in the will. Like you have an inheritance. You're now worth millions and millions and millions of dollars because you're in the will because you are a child of Bill Gates. But because you're estranged, you don't know what the will says. You didn't go back to read the will. Nobody told you. I want, I want you to think about this. You're now struggling and living in poverty, but you're worth millions. Now, if this was a movie that we were watching, this is the type of movie you're yelling at the movie screen. Like, you're, come on, you idiot, go home. You don't have to live that way. You've got so much waiting for you. Like, you're yelling at the screen. You're frustrated because you're like, they just need to go home. They don't know what they have. Do you realize this is how so many of us live our Christian life? Do you realize that there's a will with your name in it? Like, you have an inheritance. There's all sorts of benefits in here for you. How many of us are not getting everything out of here that is for us? Like there's so much God has for you. You have an inheritance, spiritual blessings. Let me show you one more. Paul says to Timothy, all scripture, the, the entire Bible is God-breathed and it's useful. This book is useful in your life. Four ways. It teaches, it rebukes, it corrects, and it trains. Not just for no reason, but for a purpose. It says it does all of that so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. Do you realize you have a call? You have a plan. You have a purpose. God has something for you to do, but he doesn't want you to do it ill-equipped. He wants you to be thoroughly equipped. One of the ways God thoroughly equips you is his word. The question is, are you allowing this book to thoroughly equip you with everything you need? Four ways. What are those four ways? Well, the first is training or teaching. Excuse me. What is teaching? Teaching shows me the path that I need to walk on. When I, when I read this book, it teaches me this is the path that I need to walk on. This is what's best for my life. Then there's rebuking. Rebuking shows me when I get off the path. Because how many know sometimes like I know what I'm supposed to do, but I kind of veer, I kind of stray, I kind of get off, I, I get off the path. So rebuking is letting me know, hey, you've gotten off the path. You've gotten off what's best for you. Then there's correcting. Correcting shows me how to get back on the path. Like, I know you blew it, but there's grace, there's forgiveness, you're still righteous, get back on the path, God has a plan for you. And then finally, there's training. Training shows me how to stay on the right path. It's huge. And all of that thoroughly equips me. Let me give you the fifth benefit, reveals direction. How many of you ever have decisions to make in life? Like big decisions, like you're trying to decide financial things, investment things, business things, career things family things, parenting issues. You got decisions. How many of you would love to have some guidance in those decisions? How many of you love for God to show you, give you some clarity in some of the decisions that you have to make? Do you realize he wants to? He really does want to help give you clarity, kind of give you light for the decisions when you're, when you're because oftentimes when we're making a decision, it seems dark, it seems cloudy, it feels like we're in a fog, we really don't know what to do. God wants to give you light. 
Psalm 119 says, understanding your word. So the more I take time and I understand God's word, it brings light to the minds of ordinary people. So I don't even have to be that smart. It's what I love. I'd just be an ordinary person, ordinary intellect. But the more I study this and the more I understand this, it brings light to my mind. It gives me clarity. It reveals direction in my life, teaches me things. God wants to do this for every single one of you. He wants you to know the truth of who he is, the truth of who you are, the truth of next steps, clear direction in your life. He wants to reveal these things to you. How? Well, again, in Psalm 119, it goes on to say, I have more insight than all my, like I'm becoming smarter than all my teachers. Like I'm growing in understanding beyond my teachers. Why? Because I meditate on your statutes. What are statutes? Statutes are the, are, are the things that God says in here. Those are God's statutes. This book is filled with God's statutes. When I meditate on God's statutes, it gives me insight. It gives me direction. It reveals steps to take. Now, when you look at Psalm 119, it is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And it's all about the Bible. That's why we look at it a lot. Because the entire chapter is on the Bible. And one of the things it says is meditation. That's what we looked at week one. Meditate. When, when you meditate on Logos, it's one of the keys to the Holy Spirit breathing into Logos and it becoming Rhema. Like when you meditate on Logos, it, it, it just, all of a sudden, it comes to life. It comes to life. It gives you clarity. Psalm 119 also says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a challenging one for me because I don't, I, I don't necessarily want just light for my feet. I want light at the end of the road. Like, I don't, I don't want to know just like what it looks like down here. I want to know what's around the corner. And God says, listen, I'm not always going to show you what's at the end of the road, but I will give you enough light to take the next step. Like, you may not see 10 steps down the path, but I will give you light for your feet. And that's a problem for me because sometimes I get paralyzed. And I'm like, God, I'm not moving until you show me more. Like, like, I'm staying put until I know what's up ahead. And God says, you're going to have to trust me. It's a walk of faith. Take a step. Take a step. I'm, I'm showing you one step. You have enough light for one step. Take that step, and I'll show you what the next step is. And, and here's the thing. How do you get light at the end of the path? Like, if you have enough light for your feet, how do you get light down at the end of the path? Well, you got to take some steps in that direction. Because with every step you take, you can see a little bit more. Every step you take, you see a little bit more. So the key is you got to take some steps of faith. Here's the sixth benefit, attitude adjustment. Now, I don't know if you grew up in the house where your parents love to say things like, man, we are going to adjust your attitude. Like, you need an attitude adjustment. Uh, I grew up in that house with those parents, now I have become that parent. Like, I don't know how many times I say that to my son now. Like, I'm going to adjust, I'm going to make your life so uncomfortable that you're not going to like that attitude. We're going to adjust that attitude right out of you. Like, we love you enough not to allow that attitude to continue in your life. Like, we're going to make it very uncomfortable to adjust that attitude. The Bible is a great attitude adjuster. I don't know about you, but I find myself discouraged so many times. I find myself like it's the end of the world, chicken little, the sky is falling, like I don't know what to do depressed, discouraged, like all sorts of things. And every time I get into this book, it, it changes my perspective. Paul says this, he says, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures, this book gives us hope and encouragement. 
when I feel discouraged, when I feel like it's the end of the world, when I feel like it can't get any worse, I get into this book, it gives me hope. It gives me encouragement. Like I, I see what God did in other people's life, and all of a sudden I feel like the Holy Spirit breathing off the pages into me, like, like God's got you. He's going to take care of you. Remember those three guys? I mean, I was reading the other day, man, three guys got thrown into a fiery furnace. They were getting burned alive, and God got them out of it. I'm like, you know what? God's going to get me out of this. It gives me hope. It gives me encouragement. It lets me know that God is with me. Some of you don't need a coffee break. You need a word break. Like, I love this one. You're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. I go get alone with God's word, and I wait for it to renew me. This book changes my attitude. It changes my perspective. It changes the way I feel. And I'm telling you, I can tell when people have spent time in God's word. Like, you can see it in their face. You can see it on their countenance. You can see it in their perspective. The more time people spend in this book, you can tell. And I can tell when, when, when I'm not spending time in this book. Like, I can see it on my face. I have not spent enough time in God's Word. It is, I'm not being renewed right now. Like, I'm anything but renewed. I need to get in God's Word. Problem is, in our culture today, we're too busy, huh? Like, it's so hard today with all of our options and all of our technology and all of our devices to really just get away for a little while and let this book renew us. But how much are we missing out on by not spending that time? Let me give you the seventh one. Releases potential. The more time you spend in God's word, the more it releases potential in your life. Do you realize God has hidden potential inside of you? What is potential? Potential is untapped power. It's dormant ability. It's unused strength. Potential is power that is not being used yet. And here's what you need to understand. God is a God of potential. God hides power. He is a God a potential, and you were made in his image, which means God takes power and he hid it inside of you. Things in your life that have not happened yet. Things that he has waiting to be released. And here's why. The Bible says the Lord God omnipotent reigns. One of the characteristics of God is he's omnipotent. That word omnipotent, omni means all or always all. Potent means power, might, or strength. God is always full of power. What does that mean? When God releases power, it doesn't diminish his supply at all. Like if God was a full tank of gas, he could drive around all day and he would still be a full tank of gas. So for God to release power in your life, he doesn't have to diminish anything. Like he's still full. The second he releases power, he's full. Like, like the full level never goes down no matter how much power he releases, which means all that God has done is not all that God can do. God is a God of potential. He hides power. So, if this is true, then, think about this, potential is who you really are, but nobody knows it yet. Potential is what you can really do, but you haven't done it yet. Potential is what you can really accomplish, but you haven't accomplished it yet. Potential is never what you have done. Potential is what you could do, but you haven't done it yet. Now, if you've already done something wonderful, but God is saying, hey, I got more. Like, like, I know we did that yesterday, but I got something for you tomorrow. I got more power. Like, I'm still full. Like, I know I gave you some power yesterday to get through that situation, but I'm still full. I've got something for you for tomorrow. He's a God of potential. This is why Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. God wants you to live a life of faith. You can't do Christianity without faith. See, if you've already done it, you don't need faith to do it again. You don't need faith to believe for it if you already know you can do it. 
goes on to say, whatever is not from faith is sin. And sin is not some nasty, ugly word. Sin just means you miss the mark. So if you're not living a life of faith, you're just missing the mark. You're missing out on what God has for you. God has so much more for you. So don't get excited about what is. Get excited about what could be. So as we bring this to a close today, uh, let me ask you, would you like would you like to, to live the type of life where you have new life, where, where you live guilt-free, where your faith is activated, where you're growing and maturing spiritually? You've got clear direction for decisions that you need to make. You have a faith-filled, positive attitude. Potential is being released. Is, is, that, is that appealing to anybody here? It's all available. It's right here in his word. So let me give you three steps to make it happen. First is, is you've got to learn the Bible. You've got to learn the Bible. You can't do something if you never learned about it. Like, you, can't, you can't enjoy the inheritance if you don't read the will. Like You've got to know what the will says so you know the benefits of your inheritance. Jesus replied to a group of Pharisees. He said, your trouble is that you don't know the scriptures. Like The problem, the, the, real, the real issue of what you're dealing with right now is you just don't know the Bible. You don't know the Bible. So I want you to follow me on this logic for a moment. What you think is your problem is really not your problem. Like, I know you think it's your problem. I know you feel like it's your problem. But your problem is never your problem. Here's the truth. Your problem, what your problem really is, is it's actually your response to the problem that's the problem. Think about it. Two people go through the exact same problem. One person succeeds, the other fails. Two different people have the exact same challenge. One, one, one person overcomes, the other one fails. Why? It's not because of the problem. It was never the problem. The problem was always their response to the problem. And inside of every problem you ever face in life, there is an opportunity. It just depends on how you respond. It could be an opportunity to grow. It could be an opportunity to pray. It could be an opportunity to trust God more. It could be an opportunity to develop character. It could be an opportunity to give God the opportunity to release a miracle. I can literally give you dozens of different opportunities in every single problem you throw at me. See, the reason why we get ourselves into so many problems is we don't know how to respond correctly to the problems. Because what do we typically do when we have a problem? Typically, I don't know about, about you, but for me, typically I do the exact opposite of what I should do in every problem I face. Like, am I the only one? Like, like typically I do the exact opposite of what I really should have done. And the Bible puts it like this, there is a way that appears to be right. Like, I thought it was right, like I thought I was doing the right thing, but it messed me up. Like, it, it wasn't the right thing at all. In fact, if you really want to know what God's will is for a certain, like, situation that you're dealing with, or you're going, if you really want to know what God wants in that situation, think about what you would naturally do and do the exact opposite. Because our natural inclination is almost always wrong. Think about it. Somebody hurts you. What is your natural? I'm going to hurt them back. Uh, and I, I'm going to hurt them worse than, than, than the way they hurt me. Jesus said, no, no, no. That's your natural inclination. What I want you to do is turn the other cheek. I want you to forgive. No, no, no. I'm going to hold this grudge. Let's be honest. You're not holding the grudge. The grudge is holding on to you. It's messing you up. It's the exact opposite. Here's the second thing. I've got to accept it as my authority. Something's going to be the authority in your life. I'm challenging you, the smart decision is accept God's word as the authority of your life. And I know that this is challenging for the culture, because we live in 2019, and we have a lot of people say, I'm not going to let anyone tell me what to do. 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm free. Like, I, I can do what I want. No one's going to tell me how to live my life. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Like, I'm going to make my own decisions, and you can't tell me right and wrong. I'm going to decide what is right and wrong for me. Right? That's the attitude of our culture. Like, we're, we're Americans, man. We're free. You are so deceived. You, you, anybody with that attitude can't see the slavery that they're in. They're still, they're still a slave to their culture. They, you're still not, no one on planet Earth is making their own decisions. Let me, let me just put it like that. Nobody is. Everybody is a slave to their culture. They just don't know it. Look at the honor cultures of like the Middle East or Africa. You take an honor culture, you take a guy living in the honor culture, and he's got these two feelings inside. He's got one feeling that if you do me wrong, I'm going to get you back. Like I'm, It's a feeling of aggression. It's a feeling I'm going to defend my honor. Nobody's going to do me wrong. I will get you back. I will punish you if you do me wrong. And it's this level of aggression inside. And he doesn't think anything of it. He actually feels like this, this is what makes me a man. This is a good thing. This is the way I should be. It's the way they think in an honor culture. But in that same culture, he has another feeling, and it's some sexual desire, sexual preference outside of his societal norms. And so what does he do? He said, well, I can't do that, so I'm going to repress that. I'm going to put that down. But then you take somebody living in Southern California. Somebody cuts them off in traffic. Somebody does them wrong. I'm going to get them back. I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to punish them. And this heavy level of aggression rises up. And what do they do in Southern California? Oh, that's not me. I need to go get therapy for this. Where is this coming from? Yet at the very same time, I got some weird sexual you know, preference or desire going on inside of me. Well, that's who I am. I should be whoever I want to be, and I should let whatever desire I have out. Do you see what I'm saying? They're both a slave to their culture. They've both been told what to decide based on the culture they were raised in. Neither one of them are making decisions independently. Anyone that says, I'm going to do whatever I think is right for my life, you're living off your feelings, and your feelings are so incoherent, and they're so... Contra- I mean, you can't trust your feelings. I mean, think about it. Like, like half the time, I've got two competing feelings at the exact same time. I got this feeling where I want to be in shape and fit and, and low body fat, and I got this other feeling where I want to eat lots and lots of donuts. Yeah. And I have these feelings at the exact same time. I can't trust my feelings to be truth and authority in my life. I'm, I'm just saying, you want it, the smart decision is to accept something as authority that has the right to be authority. And I'll be very honest, there's things in this book that I don't understand, I still accept it. There are things in the Bible I don't like, I still accept it. There are things in this Bible that are inconvenient, I still accept it. There are things that that I really wish God had not said that, I still accept it because he's God and I'm not. And it's arrogant for me to think that because I live in America in 2019 that we finally arrived. Like, we finally know the difference between right and wrong and truth, and, and we finally, as a culture, figured it all out. Like, like, we're now the smartest civilization because we live in America in 2019. Like, we are smarter than God now. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept his authority. It may not be popular. It may not feel good. It may cost me. It may be difficult at times. It may be inconvenient. I may feel like it's impossible, but I'm going to accept his word, his authority. That's why Paul says to the Thessalonians, we also thank God continually. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is, the very word of God. 
We accept it as the Word of God. And, and let's be very honest. For those who still think, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to decide for me what's right and wrong. You're such a contradiction. You don't live that way in any other area of your life, do you? Like for those of you that own automobiles, you don't have that attitude. Like, I'm, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do whatever I want with this car. Gasoline. I don't need to put gasoline in the car. Like, this is my car. I'm going to choose how I want to take care of this car. If I want to put beer in the engine, I'm going to put beer in the engine. But no one's going to tell me how I'm supposed to take care of this car. Because I'm an American, and this is 2019, and I know better. <laughs> I mean, we don't treat our car that way, do we? No, we follow the owner's manual. We accept the owner's manual as wisdom. You have an owner's manual. You have an owner's manual. And there's a lot of wisdom here. And you can say, no, I'm not going to follow that. I'm going to make my own decisions. But you, had, you at least need to be honest with yourself enough that you are a slave to something. You're accepting something as your authority. You just need to be very clear what it is. And then finally, this is going to be very quick, as Nike says, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. John 13 says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you read them. No, that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say you'd be blessed for what you read. He said you'd be blessed for what you do. It's not, it's not about the Bible you know that brings blessing into your life. It's about the Bible you do that brings blessing into your life. Would you close your eyes with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that this word would land deep in our heart. and It would give us a desire to build our life on your word. Lord, I'm not trying to give people a bunch of new information today, God. I just want to give them an appetite, a desire, a hunger to spend time in your word like they've never done before. One, because we get to know you and you get to know us. But, but more than that, there's so many incredible benefits. That there's an inheritance available for every one of us here. There's so much more in our life that you want to get out of us. And your word releases it, empowers it, and helps us. So God, let us be people of the book. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to close with one song of worship today. As always, during the song, our prayer team will be available. If you filled out a prayer card today, I want to encourage you, let somebody on the team pray with you before you turn the card in. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, one of the greatest things you can do is give your life to Jesus. You will never regret it. And we'd love to talk to you. Our, our team would love to pray with you and talk to you about what does it mean to become a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Talk to somebody on our team today. Or if there's any other area that you need prayer, our team would love to pray with you today. We'll sing one song and then we'll be dismissed.